Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined as always by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Paul, fresh off of the Greater Cleveland Sports Awards last night, where you saw Sandy Alomar receive his Lifetime Achievement Award. Paul, what'd you think of the awards and, and, and being there and, and being surrounded by basically all of the, uh, the, the best that Cleveland had to offer in sports this year? Yeah, it was, it was really cool, Joe. That's the first one I've gone to, and uh, it was fun. It was fun, uh, you know, the, uh, after Sandy. Sandy had a great speech, you know, uh, Mike Hargrove and uh, Carlos Baerga uh, presented it to him. Uh, Hannah Storm was the, uh, was the MC. She did not uh, mention anything about Albert Bell. I was a little <laughs> disappointed in that. but I, Was she asked about Albert Bell? I don't think she was asked, though. Oh, good. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, so it was really, it was a fun night. And Sandy was a great, gave a great speech, and uh, he was really moved by it. He, was, he got emotional, and then... Uh, you know, he, he came back. Uh, I mean, it, you know, I, I liked it because, you know, the, the when uh, Hank Peters and John Hart made that, that deal in 1989 to uh, bring uh, bring Bayerga and, and Sandy and, and Chris James to, to Cleveland, they sent Joe Carter, who was, you know, the Indians' best player, to mm-hmm. San Diego. And that was really the start of, you know, what we're still kind of – we're still living through now, that great run in the 90s a little downtime and then uh, you know the Indians have have been on their current six game winning streak six year winning streak and uh, Sandy and, and and Carlos really started that and Sandy you know has been around you know has kind of been the uh the linchpin of the of that move not only as a player but you know now as a coach and uh, he's you know he, he said he I think he said he um did some stat that I think he played 18, 20 years in the big leagues. And he goes, I've been in Cleveland 19 years. Or no, I mean like 11 years he's been in Cleveland and he's been to the postseason like nine times as a player and a coach. And wherever else he played, and he played a lot of different places, he never went to the postseason. So, uh, you know, and but he really, I mean, you could tell that uh, he's taken Cleveland to heart. And I think Cleveland has, uh, you know, taken him to heart as well. It's just really hard for me to believe that 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 was 30 years ago that that trade happened. And uh, you know, for you, uh, you were you know five, six, seven years on the beat with the uh, with the Indians, and and that that move sort of set you up for uh, an era of prosperity all through. A, it makes it a lot easier for you to necessarily cover a, a team when they they add pieces like that and then go on a a, a 20, 30 year sort of upswing. Yeah, it, w- it was, you know, you, you didn't know it at the time, but, right. uh, you know, Alomar, obviously, rookie of the year, gold glove, you know, gold glove winner is rook- his rookie year. You know, it took Carlos a little bit longer, but, you know, he had that great four or five years, six year run with the Indians when he's, he might have been the best second baseman in, in baseball, uh, where he's getting like 200 hits. I think he got 200 hits in consecutive years. And then comes Lofton, then comes. Uh, you know, they get Kenny Lofton. The, the system produces uh, Bell and and Tommy and and Ramirez, and you know they move into to, uh, progressive field. They add uh, you know Eddie Murray and and Jack Morris and Tony Pena and Dennis Martinez and Oral Hershiser, and the list just keeps going on and on and on. And you know it took a while, you know, because they came over in '90 90 and '91, '92, '93 were not great years. You know, uh, I think '92 they lost a franchise record 105 games but you could tell that that talent was there and then 
you know, they got cut off in 94 in the strike. That cost them, you know, cost them, a, I think, a, a postseason appearance because, you know, the World Series got canceled. The season got canceled, and they were one game out, two games back of Chicago in the in the AL Central. And uh, but I, since then, you know, this is this has been, you know, a, a, you know, an organization does that has done a lot more good than bad. And you you really do point back to that uh, that one trade and that one move that that brought Sandy Alomar and Carlos Baerga here that uh, that sort of started it all. Hey, I wanted to get your opinion on the biggest controversy of the night, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Baker Mayfield wins Pro Athlete of the Year, uh, you know, for a team that, that won seven games. And, and, and Baker Mayfield not even ranked in the, the top ten quarterbacks in the league in his position or whatever. Uh, Jose Ramirez finished third for the second year in a row in MVP voting. He, he clearly had the best season of any professional athlete in the, in, in the city that was on that list. Now, I think Lindor might have been a, a, a better candidate for the Indians in that situation but how does Baker Mayfield win that award over for, uh, Jose Ramirez and the way that he produced this year well <laughs> Joe I think all you got to do is turn on talk radio on any station <laughs> in Cleveland and the first word out of the uh, the, the announce you know the guys the, the, the guys that are working to doing the shows are it's Browns it's not Indians and uh, I when Baker had you know Baker still had kind of electrified the city I think and uh, I'm not surprised he won it, but you know, Kluber and, and Jose Ramirez were up for it. And uh, but when I saw you know that Baker Mayfield was there at the dinner before you know before the award was announced, I had a feeling that he might be the winner. <laughs> and yeah, Paul McDonald and uh, Bernie Bernie Kosar presented him with the uh, with the award. And, and and yeah, there's no denying what he did and and what what he accomplished in sort of changing a culture and all that, but. But as far as, you know, value yeah. to I, – I just – you look at the performances. The, the Indians are sort of being held to a different standard, I guess, than, than the Browns. You, you, get a, you get a franchise that hadn't won a game in two years or won, won more than two games in two years, and uh, you, you're sort of anxious and, and ready to jump at the chance to give them an award of some sort like that, uh, whereas the Indians, I guess, might have, must have had to work harder in the, in the, the eyes of the voters. Yeah, I, I just think, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, I just think, you know, they've been, the Browns have been looking for a quarterback for so long. They, you know, it looks like they finally found one, a guy that, can, you know, is aggressive and kind of flashy and. Nope, you know, better give him an award. Yep. And uh, he can throw the ball downfield. He's aggressive. So I, I was not surprised at all by that. But I mean, Ramirez, when you look at it, the body of work, you know, from April 1st to the end of the season. Uh, it's that's hard to deny that. That's that's a that's a great year. Yeah, I think by by any measurable statistic, uh, you could look at uh, the 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 better season was had by uh, Ramirez over you know any of the other candidates, even even Kluber who won twenty games. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. All right, we're uh, we're heading we're we're a week away, Paul. We're uh, we're we're almost at the point where pitchers and catchers are reporting to Goodyear, Arizona. Some of the uh, some of the guys are, are trickling in already. We're seeing posts on social media that, that guys are showing up. I think Shane Bieber is there now, uh, and he was doing a, a Q&A session on his Instagram the other day. But, uh, you know, let's, let's just lay it out. And, and I, I believe the report day is the, is the 12th for, for pitchers yeah. and catchers. Pitchers so, and catchers. So what happens when these guys arrive? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's probably going to be a bunch of guys showing up now. 
Joe. Like when we were talking to uh, Tony, Tony Amato, uh, when the, the equipment truck left, I think the truck got there Monday, this past Monday. They set up Tuesday and they're ready for players, you know, Wednesday, which was yesterday. So I'm sure there's, you know, they'll, they'll have 20, 25 players there probably right now or coming in this weekend. Pitchers and catchers report the, the 12th. Uh, they take their physicals the 13th. The first uh, workout for, you know, pitchers and catchers will be the 14th. I think, uh, you know, uh, position players report the 16th. Uh, physical 17th and the first full squad is the 18th. It was interesting. You brought up the, you know, talking to Tony Amato and, and how they get the equipment there. He, he said the, the uniforms and all the stuff for the lockers are all on racks and they just roll them off the, the truck and right in and they set everything right up. It's, it's, it, it takes, you know, they've got the system down. It's pretty interesting to, to hear how all the, uh, the behind, you don't think about that kind of stuff. It's like, how do the, how do the uniforms and the cleats and the jerseys and the, you know, whatever show up there. And, but that's all stuff that they've done so many times and it's, it's repeated over and over again. It's like clockwork. And this is, this is what they have been preparing all off season for. Yeah. Tony Amato does a great job. His staff does a great job. Uh, uh, And um, you know, those guys got it down to a science. They've been doing it for a long time and, you know, they do it, you know, this is, they do it, you know, every – during the season is, is even more amazing. They do it every – you know, you're in a, in, in a town for two, three, four, four games, four days, and bang, you're, you're, you've got to pack it up, put it on the plane, and, and, and do it again in another city. So those guys, you know, they, they are uh, – they're like Navy SEALs, man. You never see them. <laughs> they work under the cover of darkness, and the players walk into the, the locker rooms the next morning or the next afternoon, and everything's pristine, but they don't know the, the clubhouse guys have been working all night on it. Uh, maybe the clubbies deserve a feature this year. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll do a little – maybe we'll embed ourselves with the club. I, that, that's one I, I might actually do is just hang yeah. out with the clubbies for uh, – uh, you know, a, a night when a truck comes in or a team comes in from another town. Uh, and and so the, the non-roster guys, you mentioned that, you know, there's probably two dozen guys there right now or in Goodyear. The non-roster invitees, there's probably about a, a half dozen of them or more. Uh, those would be the guys who'd be anxious to get there early and, and make an impression, right? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the non-roster guys, guys coming off injuries, they're probably, they, they usually report early. Guys like, Zimmer and Salazar and Goody, you know, guys that missed time last year, Naquin with injuries, they've got to come out early to make, to make sure that they're okay. And some guys, you know, some guys go out there in January just to get out of the cold mm-hmm. weather and, and start working out on their own. Well, they brought enough uh, medical equipment on that truck. We saw them packing up an x-ray machine. So, I mean, heck, there's, there, there's enough for, for everybody out there. Yeah, that's like, a, that's like a mini hospital early in camp, Joe. They've got doctors running around, trainers. You know, every, 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 you know they're getting the full, full physicals, uh, blood tests, everything. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a small it's – it's like a little hospital in there. They got the nurses. Everybody's running around in, you know, the, the scrubs and stuff. So it's, it's kind of fun to watch as long as they're not poking and prodding me. <laughs> Well, all right, we're going to leave that one alone. Uh, <laughs> all right, Paul, let's, uh, let's jump in and get some, uh, some reader questions that were submitted for the podcast. And, uh, and then after we're done uh, taking some reader questions, I want to address uh, the latest news out of Major League Baseball with these uh, rules, uh, initiatives, and, and changes, potential changes and whatnot. But 
let's circle back to that uh, first. We'll hit up some uh, some reader questions. So hit us with hit us with what you've got. Okay, uh, this is from Gene Marava. Uh, what what about why won the what about the Indians considering Austin Jackson and Melky Cabrera as pops, possible outfield additions? Um, for, uh, as possible outfield additions, before, you know, as camp is about to open? Uh, I think at this point you got nothing to lose with, uh, certainly with Melky. I don't know about Austin Jackson and, and what his health status is or, uh, you know, not having kept up with him and, and anything with him last year, if, if his numbers have fallen off or not. But, uh, you know, experience has shown that they're, they have – had success bringing in those guys uh, either early in camp or, you know, at some point uh, the, the veteran sort of locker room presence and, and sign a guy who, you know, has a chance to make the team and, and, and contribute in, in some way. I, I less, less it was the case last year with, with Roger Davis. He, he certainly tried to, to play as much, but uh, you know, he, he couldn't hit the ball or, yeah. or get on base. Raji's most effective when he can get on base and, and cause havoc on the bases. And that just wasn't the case last year. So, uh, you know, if, if Melky's uh, uh, available and, and willing to come in and, and you know, uh, do something on a, a club friendly contract, I don't see why they wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think Joe, they're, they're, they're going to camp with this, with this roster. That does not mean, you know, they'll start the season with the same roster, obviously. I think uh, right now, I, I, you know, I'm hesitant to say they'll, they'll add a guy. I mean, you know, Cabrera, you know, is a guy that, you know, is still out there twisting in the wind. I don't, it's not going to take much to sign him. Uh, and uh, I, but I would, you know, I, I remember back to last year, they didn't, they didn't really sign him until, until April. So, I mean, I think this, without a, without a trade deadline, you know, for, for the, for the off season, you know, the, the signing season can, can extend into April, you know, into the early part of the regular season. And, you know, it's unfair to these guys to kind of make them wait, but, you know, I think that's, that's the scenario we're looking at right now. If these, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they sign a guy like Milky Cabrera in, in February, late, late February, early March. But uh, right now, I think from what I've been told, they, they've, they're, they want to let the younger outfielders get a chance to play. You know, guys like Naquin and, and, and Allen, they want to see what they can do. And I don't know if they want to bring a guy, a, a veteran guy, to get in their way. You know, so we'll, we'll just have to see. Well, and maybe that sends a message if they don't sign somebody. That sends a message to those younger guys that says, here, it's yours. Go with it and, you know, show us what you can do. If that sort of takes any sort of pressure off of those younger guys. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, but, you know, I know, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a knock on Cabrera. He did a good job for the Indians. And I know, well, you know, I've heard that he'd, lo- he'd love to be back and, you know, he's a switch hitter. He'd fit great in, you know, Tito loves switch hitters. He's, he's a solid pro. Uh, he makes great contact. Uh, not a bad, not as bad an outfielder as we were led to believe. So I think there's a chance, you know, I think there's a chance, but I, you know, I would not bet on it right now. Okay. I've got one here from uh, Mike Reinick, and he uh, asked me a question on Twitter. Is there any evidence that Jose Ramirez has worked on his approach at the plate 
His late season and playoff slump is alarming with the fall off on de- and as well as the fall off on defense. Uh, I know for certain that Jose Ramirez has worked on his uh, landscaping in his backyard this offseason, but uh, that's about all I can tell you for sure that he's worked on. Uh, any any worry there, Paul, about uh, you know Jose's slump at the end of the year carrying over into the start of this season? I don't think so, Joe. I think he's too good a hitter to to let you know a slump that uh, as as devastating as that slump was. I think to the Indians to to uh, Ramirez and, and, you know, he, and it led into the postseason as well. You know, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, I think he, from what I've heard, he got wrapped up in a couple of things. He wanted to go 40, 40, you know, uh, 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. And uh, he kind of got carried away with that at the end of the year, the swing got long. And then, uh, you know, the pitcher stopped throwing him fastballs and he, you know, his soft stuff, soft stuff, you know, it was, you know, and I think his swing just got screwed up. So I think, you know, I think these guys are smart. I think these guys are, uh, you know, he, you know, he's had an all off season to think about that, to work on it. Uh, and I, I, I don't anticipate that, that uh, carrying over. I really don't. I think he's too talented. What about the defense? So, uh, you know, you and I both noticed that he wasn't making it to, to balls hit at second base after he made that transition over there again for the second year. Uh, anything to that, any validity to, um, you know, the, the worries about his defense? Yeah. Well, you know, I think he's fine at third base, you know, and I think like most guys, I think he'd like to like to have one position to call his own. I think, you know, he's probably established himself. You know, he's, he's the American league all-star third baseman two years in a row. Uh, and I think, I don't know, you know, he, he never, I think his versatility is, is a key to him. You know, and obviously that that opened the door for him to become a, an all-star, to play left field, to to play third base, to play second base and shortstop. But uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's. He, I think he's getting he's getting a little older, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I. But I noticed a definite drop off going to, from third to second. You know, unlike you know the previous year. And I think, but you know, in in 2017, he had he had a longer time to to go over to second. And, 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 you know, kind of make that adjustment. But, you know, everyone says second base is his best position. So, but I did not see that last year. And I don't know if, if he was just caught in between or, you know, there was just, he was in a funk that, you know, even the best of, uh, even the best def- defenders, if they're not going well at the plate, I think they sometimes they carry that over. And, and just their, their defense. And and just to circle back to something you mentioned uh, about, uh, you know, one of the things that affected him was seeing a lot of breaking pitches. Uh, could that have a positive effect maybe at the beginning of this year? Uh, of, we, we did notice that he was taking a lot more and, and, and uh, you know, a little bit more of a, a trying to have a little bit more of a patient approach when knowing that he was going to be pitched differently and, and seeing all these breaking balls, could that tra- translate and carry over and, and, you know, uh, up his on-base percentage even higher. Yeah, I, I, why not? Definitely. I think, uh, you know, I think he's such a, you know, he seems to be such an aggressive hitter. You know, I think it's hard to kind of dial that back in, but he he does have, you know, so, you know, I, but I think, you know, he kind of, you know, I, you learn your lessons in baseball, so maybe hopefully, you know, he does have a better eye and he does kind of, if they're going to walk him, walk him. And I think, you know, Joe, this year around this year it might be even more pronounced with uh, you know the changes in the offense and with Lindor and him, 
being really the only the kind of established threats. You know, they, they might not be – I don't think he's going to see a lot of, you know, meatballs not right down the middle of the plate. Well, and put him on base, and, and it's like putting him on second. So, uh, I yeah. guess that's, uh, that's not too bad. All right, hit us with uh, one more reader-submitted question for this round. <clears throat> okay, this is from uh, – this is from Steve Funk from Salem. Okay. I think it's time for the Dolans to open the books. Let us fans see exactly how much money this team is losing. Whoa. <laughs> maybe, it's time, maybe it's time for a new owner. <laughs> no big additions means that, that they trade Lindor at midseason because they will be out of the playoff race. <laughs> Well, I, I think this maybe more, this was more commentary than question. Okay, I think he's he's maybe a year or two early on the trading trading Lindor in midseason. I think I think that's coming, but it's not coming this year. Uh, but wow, open the books. Uh, yeah, that that'll never happen. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like asking U.S. Steel to open the. I mean, why well, I shouldn't say I don't know if they're a publicly owned company, but but this oh, is a privately Lord. owned company. They're not going to open the books. No. And, and I know, you know, people are frustrated, obviously. You know, they're cutting payroll. Um, they've, they've, you know, they traded, traded or, or let their be- some of their best hitters and players, you know, uh, that, that have left this, the club uh, during the offseason. They haven't made, you know, Oliver Perez is probably their only big league free agent addition. So I can understand the frustration. But, I, you know, in talking to Chris Antonetti and, you know, I, I can I get it what they're trying to do, you know it's a difficult thing, but I think they're trying to stay competitive this year, perhaps you know do enough to win to win the AL Central, but also take care of, you know 2020, 2021, 2022 down the road. They're they're trying to get their payroll under control. They're trying to find out if young these young guys younger players on their roster can play so they can keep their uh, payroll down. And, you know, maybe they find another Jose Ramirez. You know, maybe they, uh, maybe one of their dra- maybe they draft a guy like Lindor who comes up and plays basically for nothing for three years and produces like he has. I think that's what, you know, they're trying to get the roster and the payroll back under control and then go from there. It's, it's a tough, uh, I think it's a tough assignment, but. You know that's that's what's in their mind right now, and uh, you know, and you know, face it, they they aren't the Yankees. You know, the pay uh, the attendance is not great, um, and I know there's a, a lot of re- other revenue streams nowadays for ball clubs to make money. So, you know, I, I but I I definitely understand uh, Steve's uh, Steve's uh, uh, frustration, and you know, along those lines, it, you're talking about you know, hoping they might catch fire with another prospect or something like that. In looking at uh, the, the the top 20 or so prospects in the organization, they they have a few, like, hitting infield prospects, like shortstops and uh, kids. A couple of them missed some time last year, missed some time in their development because of injuries. Uh, but, you know, there are people in the pipeline who, who could be coming along to just restore that. So that's why they might be playing it a little cool with, with Lindor right now knowing that eventually there's there's a guy or two that could come up and, and play short behind him. Yeah, no, what, who was the kid? George Valera? Broke Valera, is, hand, he was, he was injured last year, the hammy bone. And uh, I think Bracco, uh, there was another shortstop who's a prospect who 
Yeah, they had a great uh, international uh, international uh, uh, free agent draft class two years ago, where they you know signed like 27, 28 guys. Right. And uh, you know that and they've got they've got talent. It's coming. It's it's but it's a ball and the Dominican right. Summer League and the Arizona Rookie League. So it, it'll take a while. But there there are there are players and there's some players in the upper upper. Uh, the upper uh, 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 levels too, Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And well, uh, ESPN ranked the Indians uh, farm system, I think 11th, which I, th- I felt was a little bit high, just given uh, the number of top prospects who are in that age 21 or younger sort of range. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of teenagers down in that Dominican uh, yeah. development uh, uh, camp that, uh, that, uh, it was actually featured on the the Indian social media uh, the other day. They went around and and you know you saw all these basically everybody looked like a a, a power hitting shortstop you know feeling you know going through drills and uh, hitting the cages and whatnot. And it, it was interesting to see just a, a glimpse at you know what's going on. And these this is this is a world away from the majors, but these guys are working out and uh, you know they're taking classes, learning learning the English names of the positions that they're playing, all that kind of stuff. So it was, uh, it was all very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, what, uh, I know Bobby Bradley's an interesting name for me. I, I don't, I, he'll probably play uh, at triple a this year. Yeah. I just wonder if he might get a shot. You know, I know they've got Bowers and, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, unfortunate that he plays first base. That's all. Yeah. Right. And, you know, but but it seems to me they're they're like one bat short. You know, mm-hmm. at least a, a hitter short. Maybe this kid can come up. I know he didn't hit hit for a lot of power in uh, at, at Columbus in his first taste at AAA last year. But you know, he he certainly has put the the power numbers together at every other level. Yeah, I think he spent the majority of last season at AA, and and he's hit twenty or more home runs at every level that he's played at. So you know, Bradley's a guy whose whose power seems to translate no matter where he goes. Uh, I think a little bit more time at AAA this year, uh, get him get him headed in the right direction, and then you could probably see him by midseason if they're desperate for a bat. Yeah, I'd I'd, li- I'd like to see that. I'm I'm anxious to see how he progresses. He'll be in big league camp. Uh, last year was his first year in big league camp, so uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, let's. Uh, the other topic that I wanted to cover uh, before we get out of here. Uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association exchanging some ideas on new rules and proposals. And, and the one that's going to make everybody fall out of their chair is obviously a universal DH. I, I don't know uh, what, your, what your thoughts on that are. Uh, some of the other ones would be, uh, again, the, the 22nd pitch clock, uh, mandatory three batters for every uh, pitcher that comes in. That, that, that seemed like a, a bit much to me. Um, and also the idea of when the rosters expand in September, having sort of like uh, an, an active and an inactive list, you can bring up your entire 40-man roster, but you can only dress or play 28 men per night and have like an active roster for that night. Uh, some of these sound like really obvious and really good ideas, uh, particularly the DH and the, uh, the roster limits. Uh, what do you think uh, of these, these proposals? Yeah, I love the uh, September uh, the uh, September take on this, Joe. Like, if you limit every sports writer is going to love that rule. Yeah, twenty eight, twenty eight, you know, twenty eight players a night. 
you can bring up, you know, like you said, maybe as you can bring up as still as many guys as you want, or you know, uh, an additional four, five, six guys. But you know, it's not you wouldn't have that. You know, it's it, uh, in September when uh, you know there's a lot of races. It wouldn't turn into a spring training game where you know you've got an unlimited number of guys to run in and out of there almost. You know, you would still be playing under the same or close to the same rules as you played the first five months of the season. I, I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. I think, uh, you know, the, I think there's a lot of uh, there's in, uh, people are in favor of that on both sides of the argument. I, th- I see that passing. And, Joe, I was, I was looking at a couple more things. You know, there's a proposal to move the mound back, you know, oh. to, uh, yeah, from 60 feet, 6 inches, which has been that way to, for over 100 years. They, they would move the mound back, I don't know, a couple inches or, or lower it, lower it, for, you know, for, uh, for the first time since uh, ni- after the 1968 season, you know, wow. from when they lowered it from 15 to 10 inches. They really the want to see your offense go up, don't they? Yeah. And, uh, uh, and they, would, any proposals about limiting the shifts or anything like that? No, I haven't, I haven't seen anything like that. But, uh, you know, I, that would – and then, then they were saying um, – then there's another proposal, or the, at least the union has proposed that they would, uh, you know, a, a team's a, a team that that gets revenue like the Indians that gets revenue sharing that makes the postseason would would receive you know more draft picks. Hmm. You know, instead it would you know to counterbalance teams that are tanking. And, right. uh, you know, if, if that – that's coming, like, about 10 years too late for the Indians. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, so there's a lot, of, a, a lot of different concepts out there, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I, you know, I, I, I would love to see the DH in both leagues. I, I really would. I, I, I think – or at least or play with one set of rules, whatever you want to do. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think the DH obviously in an era when, you know, strike you know pitchers are kind of dominating the game you know I think that would bring more offense overall and and you would in a world series and in an interleague play you wouldn't have to change rules and um, you know and the American League American League teams wouldn't be at a disadvantage okay and, and I can't see why either side would would oppose the a, a universal DH I mean from the player's perspective you're you're going to extend careers and you're going to you're going to have more guys at more high paying positions that, that DH, if you've got another 15 teams who are eligible to use it, uh, and, and from the team's perspective, if, if everything is based on analytics these days, boy, isn't it easier to have, you know, not have to differentiate between a pitcher who pitched in the American League and faced uh, a nine-man batting order as opposed to a pitcher who pitched in the National League and faced an eight-man batting order plus a pitcher. It, it it makes the most sense uh, to me that this, and I think it's it's definitely coming. It's just a matter of, you know, blocking out the uh, the traditionalists and the the purists who say, oh no, we've always had it this way, and it's always going to be this way. Yeah, it's it's um, you know, I wonder, Joe. I mean, when you look at a National League team, the way the National League teams are built, you know, you've you've got a probably got a longer bench, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, got more guys on the bench to pinch hit and and uh, uh, you know, pinch run and. Uh, kind of utility guys and I don't know if, if they if you bring the DH to the National League does that does that cut some players out of a job you know I think the union would have to look at that and but there's also I know that they've also talked about maybe uh, you know expanding the uh, regular the 25 man roster to 26 so maybe that's a counterweight but I, I would think 
that that I don't know. I don't know if that the DH would would you know limit would 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 you know would would wipe some of those you know super utility guys out of a out of a job. Yeah, but you, you how much is a, a super utility guy making as opposed to how much would a professional DH like an Edwin Encarnacion be making? You know, if he can make his twenty million in yeah. the National League as well, there's there's twice as many places uh, as as many teams for him to play in. I, I think. You know, everybody benefits when those big contracts get signed. If you're a players' union, yeah, yeah, and and uh, but and, and then then you also look at it. You think about is this uh, you know this kind of uh, you know takes a manager down a peg. I think you know. I mean, it makes him uh, you know he's not he's not the genius in the in the in the National League with with the moves and the counter moves. And I don't know if Tony Larusa would ever ever agree with that. Would he? he would, Hey, Tony Larusa managed in the American League too, and yeah, he yeah. had uh, he had McGuire and Canseco. Uh, it's easy to look like a genius with two yeah, blasting forty home runs each. Uh, yeah, I I think these uh, these new rule rule propo- rules proposals, uh, you know, some of them look really good. I uh, I still I think you're going to be hard pressed to get major league pitchers, the current major league pitchers, to agree to adjust to a pitch clock. I think that's going to be, you know, real tough. Yeah. But. I don't know. I think a lot of them, you know, it's it's used in, in the minors now. It's used in the Arizona Fall League. I think, you know, I saw it in use in the Arizona Fall League, and I, I didn't even, you know, after a while, you, you, don't, you don't even notice it, you know. And, and I think the pitchers, I think it does kind of improve the pace. You know, I think for most, the biggest thing is it gets the hitter in the box right. a, a little faster, you know. Right. But I was wondering, what do you think about the three – the, if a if a reliever comes in, he's got to face three hitters. I mean, That's, Oliver Perez is out of a job, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, that, that that really does that really changes things for me. If you if you're forcing a guy, you're you're putting the advantage back on the offense, a huge advantage back on the offense, because you're going to force a a relief pitcher to face a guy who he shouldn't have to face. I, I if you bring Oliver Perez in as a matchup lefty to get one guy, uh you should be able to pull him out if they, if they pinch hit for the next batter and you, you've got a right-handed power hitter who's going to, you know, do damage against him. I, I, that's going to be a, a really hard one to, to, to require a pitcher to face at least three batters. That's tough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess, you know, obviously it would speed up the game. You, you know, you cut down, uh, you cut down uh, the, the pitching moves. Um, and, but, uh, I mean, it, it takes away a, a lot of strategy, and it and I think it it you know pitchers may like like pitchers make clubs because they can get a left-handed hitter out in, mm-hmm. in the eighth inning, and then you go you know that so that get would change yeah. really the whole dynamic of building a roster. Yeah, I I I can't see that one immediately becoming a you know a rule, but you know maybe maybe you can experiment with it in spring training. I, I heard them. Talking about you know using the uh, the softball rule, putting a putting a guy at second base for extra inning uh, games and to 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 try and promote scoring that way to end games quicker that way. But oh boy, uh, some of these some of these sound like really big fundamental changes to the game that you know you're just throwing them out there to maybe slide in the the universal DH. Hey, yeah. Hey, okay, we 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 don't need the uh, the the three pitch or, or the the three batter uh, you know requirement, but we'll give you the DH. That's that's good enough. Yeah, that, it's uh, it'll be interesting. That that, that should be uh, and some of them might get uh, you know. I mean, Manfred uh, 
you know, uh, the commissioner has, has the ability to uh, implement these things, mm-hmm. you know, a, a number of these things without, uh, without union approval. Right. So he could do the, he could do the pitch clock. He could have done it two years ago, but I think he's trying to get, you know, an agreement. I, I think tensions are already, you know, kind of frayed between the players and, and the owners. I, I don't think he wants to do anything that's, that's going to, you know, overly, uh, heat, overly heat the situation anymore. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, but I do expect some changes this year. I, I would expect, you know, maybe a pitch clock this season. You know, I, I would think something's coming down the pipe here. Certainly, uh, certainly uh, might be experimenting in, in, in spring training, something like that. So, all right, Paul, we expect a full investigative report once you get down to uh, Goodyear on, uh, you know, what the players think about all these proposed changes. And, uh, no, I, you know, enjoy your, uh, your trip and, you know, uh, uh, warmer weather awaits you. So congratulations <laughs> on that. But, uh, we will talk to you again from Goodyear uh, next week as the Indians get ready to open up uh, spring training with pitchers and catchers. Paul, it was a, a pleasure once again. Good, good deal, Joe. Thanks, man. Thanks.